a brand new episode of Delivering Marketing Joy. I am your host, Kirby Hossman, and joining me today, a repeat guest, a rock star in all the senses of the word. She's the CEO and co-founder of Fairware. She's also a brand new board member on the PPAI board. So congratulations for that. Denise Tashro, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Excited to be here again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and thanks for making the time. I know you are super busy right now and I want to kind of dive right in on this sort of new role. You were recently elected as a new board member for the PPAI board. And that's a, that's a big deal in our industry and a big commitment, I know. So thank you for that service. What does that mean to you? And uh, like, what projects would you like to see the board tackle? Uh, well, first off, I'm so excited and I'm so happy that the members chose me and the first Canadian to be on the board. So I'm kind of excited to bring that voice. And I, I think I was really driven to, you know, serve for, you know, mm-hmm. to, to provide some input and insight and elbow grease um, to the board. First and foremost, around building out a, a, a strategy or a framework for corporate social responsibility for the Mm. industry. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm deeply passionate about issues like sustainability and uh, responsible sourcing, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And and I feel like the PPAI has, has laid down almost like a rail track already for things like product safety. It's probably the best example where it emerged as an issue. It emerged as both a risk to our own companies, to our suppliers. Uh, it emerged as a um, an ask on the client side and yeah. a demand on the client side. And the industry association responded, built roadmaps and toolkits and training and working groups and conferences and created really a framework for the industry, whether you're a distributor or a supplier, to engage in a conversation and kind of up our collective game around product safety. And I feel like the time is now to do the same with a broader agenda that would include these other issues like environmental sustainability, like uh, responsible sourcing, um, you know, uh, community impact, philanthropy, kind of the bigger picture of being responsible. So that's something I'm quite passionate about and and felt strongly that could play a role um, and be in service to the board to, 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 to kind of you know, get that going, get that yeah. conversation going and cement it into our uh, DNA as an industry. I'm really excited that you said that. Uh, it's honestly what I assumed you would say, <laughs> uh, hoped you would say, I guess I should say. It's it's a conversation that I've had recently and, and uh, I had talked to uh, my buddy, Bill Petrie about this when Dale Denham came on as president. I was like, one of the initiatives I'd like to, to see us kind of up our game on is exactly what you just talked about. And then when I had heard that you were announced as uh, the latest board member uh, to be voted on, I was like, okay, great. That, that, that to me, that was a, a signal that that mm-hmm. was really a, mm-hmm. an initiative mm-hmm. that they were serious about. So I, I'm excited for you to tackle that. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think to, to just add a little more context, cause I'm really excited about Dale, um, you know, leading the charge right now is I, I position you know, corporate, so I'll call it CSR, corporate social responsibility, just mm-hmm. to, to kind of use the same word um, throughout this call. But I would position CSR is just a part of how do we future proof ourselves in an industry. And we've mm-hmm. just gone through an epic 18 months. We've just gone through oh, the roller coaster of roller coasters as an industry. And I think, you know, 
the board and Dale and all of us as business leaders really need to be looking at like, what is it going to look like for our industry to be resilient, to be there in the long haul, to be relevant uh, to buyers um, and, and, and to grow. And, and so I think that to me, the, the CSR agenda is a piece of that. There's other pieces of that. I think uh, engagement in um, kind of becoming a more digitally savvy industry, yeah. critical, right? Dale's right. going to bring that piece of the puzzle. Um, looking at how do we ensure that we're building strategy, policies, toolkits that both reflect the needs of the larger distributors and suppliers that we're seeing through, you know, a lot of consolidation, but not forgetting the heart and soul of the industry, which is smaller scale players. So we're we're kind of a smaller company sitting at that table. I was kind of looking around to some of my peers at the board table, and um, uh, and realizing like, wow, we're 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 tiny, but that's a critical voice to have right. at that table because our yeah. industry is full of people, you know, like uh, fairware and smaller than fairware. So that's a, kind of another piece of the puzzle. I really think that it's about resilience right now. Like how do we take what we've learned in the last couple of years of, um, of, you know, kind of hard knocks and, and take advantage of it and, and build a industry that's really relevant moving forward. I love it. I love it. So from that conversation, I, I, I want to transition to, I mean, your company fairware, you just mentioned has been sort of a leader, right? And I looked it up on your website, uh, ethically sourced and sustainable promotional products, right? You've been a leader in that space for years. So I feel like the world is sort of catching up to that initiative. And I mean that in a good way, we're starting to more people are talking about that more customers are asking about that. Why do you think there's more de- more of a demand for this? Or I guess, is there? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think there is. I think we're seeing a lot of um, competition within the distributor landscape, for example, of brands, you know, bringing this to the table as part of their own story and their brand identity or trying to bring it to their clients, which is inspiring and a little unnerving. It's like that nipping <laughs> at the heels. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. like, okay, what's next for Fairway? We got to keep, you know, we got to kind of keep one step ahead of this. We're like the OG, you know, sustainable <laughs> brand. Um, right. So, so that's been actually quite um, motivating, I think, yeah. for us at Fairway around what is next for us and what is what does the future hold for us. But I do think that the drivers, it, it's really, it's a consumer-led trend. Mm-hmm. And as the demographics of consumers are changing, our buyers yeah. are getting younger. Um, I, I think that's that's critical and at play. And there's just a, a kajillion studies out there around what younger buyers value and and that they value values right mm-hmm. so i think that's a critical piece so so um buyers are asking for it um i think they're asking for it in their employment they're choosing where they work and who yeah. they work for um and they're they're looking for it in what they buy i think the other kind of major trend that is driving this is just overall the the retail experience and a, and and a, uh, a momentum towards transparency so when someone is on you know the Patagonia website or Everlane or you know they're buying I don't know ice cream whatever it is um, 
when you go to in a retail environment, there's just more and more information now around the mm. country of origin, where it's made, how it's made. You know, you can go on Nike.com and see where, like, literally what factory your shoes are made in, and get the phone number of the factory manager. Right. Yeah. So, just epic transparency. And and those buyers that are having that experience in their day to day when they're getting stuff for their kids or getting you know new shoes you know, on Monday, they expect the same thing when they're yeah. doing their B2B purchasing in their day job, right? And to think yeah. that that a B2B buyer is somehow different fundamentally than a B2C buyer, like we're all B2C buyers. And then in a secondary role, <laughs> some of us are B2B buyers. So I right. think if we don't understand what's driving that B2C environment, um, we'll miss out on the game in our world of B2B. So I think it's really important to understand those trends. And I think there's a huge trend towards greater transparency and information. Mm. People want to know what's in their stuff, where was it made and who made it? Yeah. And why shouldn't they? What's so secretive <laughs> about that, right? Yeah. So, um, it, you know, I think those are the key, some of the key drivers. And uh, I think the bigger players are asking for it. Um, some of it is still compliance driven. Um, some of it is value driven. You know, it kind of depends on who your customers are. But I would say that the asks are getting more nuanced where, um, you know, it might have been, uh, you know, are you diverse owned supplier? Now it's, are you LGBTQ owned? You know, like, right. uh, you know, where it used to be, is it, you know, recycled? It's, well, is it recycled content? And also what's the end of life? Can I recycle it when it's done in my right. community, right? So I think the questions are getting a little harder. They're getting a little more nuanced. Um, and, you know, as an industry, we have to get ready to answer them. That and leads... I think those who can answer them now are the ones who are winning. Oh, yeah, I agree. And that leads really nicely into my next question, which is for, for those clients that you're working with, right? The ones who want to market um, and have a uh, marketing strategy with sustainability, where, where do you see brands getting it wrong, right? And how do they yeah. fix it? Um, well, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think um, I'm actually going to start by where I think we're getting it wrong as okay. an industry. And then we can talk about where I think clients get it wrong. I think where we're getting it wrong as an industry is we're still seeing the issues as siloed um so mm. product compliance is a thing you know check uh diversity owned like minority owned okay check um give back like somebody has like, this water bottle from this supplier has a give back component right oh okay you know like it's very compartmentalized it's not seen as a kind of a strategic play right people focus maybe on like i have a product assortment that has environmental you know attributes to it so i'm going to go to market with that but they're not really thinking about maybe where they're made or whether those products meet um global worker rights standards mm -hmm. um they're not necessarily thinking about their own business and what they're doing in their community right. or how they might be recycling composting you know managing energy those sorts of things and and i think um you know, that's a piece of the puzzle is to really start to understand, like, what are the areas in our industry that we should be focused on, right? I think we should be focused on responsible sourcing, ethical sourcing. I think we should be focused on environmental responsibility, whether that's a recycled, you know, paper in a notebook or your own operations. Right. I think we should be um, 
looking at diversity, equity, and inclusion so that everybody can enjoy the fruits of all our labors. And, you know, and I think we should be looking at, at philanthropy and corporate impact. And, and so it's about looking at it as a big picture. And what I see the kind of failure sometimes in our industry is people are like, I got recycled products. I'm good. Check. Yeah, yeah. And like, that doesn't quite, or like I'm, I'm donating to the local hospital. Check. It's like, right. that's not quite going to work in today's world. Right. It's, it's not, it's not about a comprehensive approach to doing good in the world. It's right. about, it's a little checklisty. So when it comes to the client side, um, I think there's often a race to make marketing claims about the products mm, yeah. that can be a stretch, you know? So like, you know, recycle me on a non-woven uh you know, polypropylene tote bag, which is technically recyclable, but there's nowhere that will take that bag to be recycled. There's no blue box program in North America you can put a tote bag in. Um, so it wouldn't meet the, you know, Federal Trade Commission guidelines on environmental marketing claims as an example, right? So so I think sometimes clients, like, they, they want to hang on to the one, like, it said it was recycled. So that's <laughs> going to become the anchor in this campaign, you know? Um, you know, and I think just generally it's i hate to use this word but it's like authenticity versus inauthenticity and yeah. and i think you know we've chatted a lot about this before but i think the brands that are are failing are the ones that are kind of trying too hard and they're only telling the good stories they're not really talking about being on a tough journey yeah. um you know those 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 brands that only are talking about the wins like we did this you know we're a hero mm. as opposed to like wow it was really hard and we like had to take four left turns and and then we failed for a while and then we got back on track and i think mm -hmm. those are the stories that people want to hear they want they want brands to be more more human more vulnerable yeah. and and able to kind of showcase that it's tough like the, these are tough 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 issues you know i was chatting with somebody yesterday is it better to have like recycled cotton t-shirt made in New York or, you know, from, from, you know, post-industrial cotton versus like post-consumer cotton, but made in Central America. Like <laughs> it's all a can of worms. So half the times there's no right answer, but I, I find that clients love it best. And I think consumers love it best when you're just kind of open and telling, telling the stories of the goods, the good and the bad, right? Yeah. And and so I, I I feel like I see clients sometimes hang on to the win or only want to talk about where they're succeeding and they kind of ignore where they're struggling. Yeah. Um, that yeah. makes sense. It makes sense, and I think that from what I'm hearing from you, and maybe I, maybe I'm mishearing you, um, but the idea of just like where as an industry sometimes we're getting it wrong is that we're like you said a checklist and it's not sort of foundational to who we are as an organization. Right. And in, in other words, we don't really understand. We're just trying to do what somebody said that we're supposed to do so that we can say, okay, we're, we're good guys and gals and we can move yeah. on rather than making it a part of our culture. Um, yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. And I, and I think that that might be a big stretch for some yeah. companies. Like it might not be in your DNA, you know, it's in our DNA, you know, my right. co-founder and I, Sarah, it's in our DNA to be an activist brand and right. that is how we self-define we are an right. activist brand we right. actively engage on political issues some of right. them not super popular <laughs> um, and we actively engage in driving change in our industry and our supply chain so so 
that's us. It feels like us. We're super comfortable. We get up in the morning and we're like, yeah, let's, you know, like ruffle a few feathers. We're good. Here we go. Um, that's fine. Like we say no to clients, right? Oil and yeah. gas clients call us and we say, no, we don't want to work with you. Like, yeah. you know, not your typical business, right? right. Um, that works for us. So that said, I think everybody can get in this game to some level or not. And I yeah. think if you want to find awesome staff and keep them, you kind of want to show you got a set of values um, right. from nine to five, you know? And I think there's like a history of people being incredibly engaged in their communities when they leave work, you know, but never thinking about how they can live that life through their business as a business owner or as an employee, you know? So I, I think it's just these shifts into like, how do we show up and, and do a little better every day, all day. Yeah. Um, and you might not be like at a, kind of doing the fairware thing but yeah. i think there's a lot of incredible incredible companies in our industry that are just doing some great things and and uh and often forgetting to tell their customers about it and yeah, uh and i think they'd see some really nice traction if they just started to think a little bit more strategically about doing good yeah no that makes sense okay this is great stuff final question for you i want hey. you to pull pull out your crystal ball right what do you see? Because gosh, I, I don't know that you predicted. I, we didn't talk right before the pandemic, but you didn't predict that. But now that we've gotten through this, yeah. what do you see for the business world over the next 12 to 18 months? Are we going to, like, do you think this is something that will come what, what, or, or will things get better? What, what's your prediction? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the economy has been so throttled. I think there's some real pressures, inflation, um, supply chain, obviously. Um, I, I think in the longer haul, that 12 to 18 months, 12 to 24 months, like we're going to see there's this roaring back feeling. Like you kind of feel like it's like, you know, the the brakes are on, but the throttle's open. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's what sense. it feels like a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we're going to feel that. I think we're feeling that um, more and more in our business that, you know, things are kind of coming somewhat roaring back and have been this year. Um, I do think we're going to see growth. I do think that um, the, I think the hybrid workplace is not going away. And mm, I think yeah. the level of complexity that that adds to our industry in terms of needing to drop ship, you know, partially mm -hmm. ship to a head office for the 20 people who are there, but then yeah. the other 70 boxes are going to people's homes. I don't think that's going away. Like, I don't think that is a time and place um, COVID scenario i think that is the new norm for our industry and so how do we as suppliers and distributors how do how do we succeed in that world and i think for those who are hoping it's going to go away and have maybe been able to kind of get through the last year and a bit avoiding doing that it's time to embrace it it's trying yeah. to work with our suppliers work with each other to understand how do we build out that um, that new muscle as an industry i think that's a really critical thing and I think the other thing, and, you know, I'm not just saying this because I kind of have Dale pictured in my mind right now. I do think we have to up our game in terms of kind of the digital landscape yeah. Yeah. and, um, you know, ensuring that our systems talk to each other, ensuring that, you know, our, we have the ability to go kind of seamlessly from, you know, the end user down to the supply chain. And, mm -hmm. you know, something I've been, I've been, saying a lot this year when people talk to me around a, a, a kind of a mindset shift that I would love to see is 
you know, where suppliers start thinking that they don't just sell to us as distributors, but they sell through us mm. to the end user. And the minute you start to kind of think that way, things change, right? The way you write copy as a supplier, you don't put the words blank product only on every SKU. Right. Because you don't somehow don't realize that every sales rep in North America has to delete those words on every quote that goes right. out. Right. So it's like, you know, thinking about who are you selling to, you're just selling through us. So let's tell stories that resonate with the client. And I think that will accelerate the growth of our industry, but I'm feeling good about the next 12 to 18 months. I'm feeling hopeful. I'm super psyched about going to Vegas. Um, and, you know, I'm chatting with lots of folks who, who are saying they're going. So I think it's going to be a good show. I think it's going to be a bit of a, it's going to feel like a reunion. Yeah, and, totally. uh, and I'm really hoping it's going to feel like a jumpstart for uh, the next couple of years for our industry. I love it. Denise, thank you so much for taking the time. We will definitely have to do it again. And I look forward to seeing yeah. you in Vegas. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Right, see you there. Cool. Absolutely. Well, that's going to wrap up this edition of Delivering Marketing Joy. We'll see you next time.